Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. Now this morning, we're going to continue. I hope you enjoyed last week's sermon. Um, if you've missed last week, um, you won't be in the dark today, but you can catch it up on our, on our um, YouTube, on our Facebook page. Just go to videos and watch last week's sermon. And uh, we've, been, we've been speaking about while I was waiting, in a period of waiting. No, no we all know what it's all about. We all, we all know what, what waiting is all about at the moment. We're all going through exactly what I'm talking about. We're waiting. We're waiting for, for the lockdown to end. We're waiting for a virus to die. We, we're waiting. But as I said last week, um, waiting is not an easy thing. We really dislike waiting. I've never met anybody in life who likes to wait on something. It's just they just enjoy waiting. Now I've never met anybody like that. We we like to get to the point. We like to have the experience. We like to, I mean, anything but waiting. Now, now when when we all are focused, sorry, when we all are focused to wait like we are currently waiting, and we're waiting for safety reasons. Um, we wait and hope for the best, but we still struggle. It's, it's a human trait. We struggle to wait. Now, my question today is what happens with our hearts when we wait? So many things. I mean, waiting actually tests us to, to such a degree. It does test, test us all when we have to wait. Wait in line, wait in this, wait for a breakthrough, wait for, I mean, it is good to wait, but it's not always fun. Now, I want to I want to ask you: While we wait, do we give God a chance to refine our hearts? So when things heat up, you know, when they purify gold, they heat it up to such a degree that they can scrape off the impurities. And and sometimes when we wait, we go through the same process of of God heating up things in our lives. I mean, I know we're all sitting in one house with your family. There's sometimes heated moments, there's, there's things. But when the heat rises in the moment of waiting, do you give God a chance to scrape off all the impurities in your life, to purify your character to such a degree that you can, that you can be better, that you can be more mature in your faith and as a Christian? Or do you just place everything on hold or on ice and you still struggle through this by complaining and just complaining till everything ends <laughs> i've met so many people that's exactly in that place and there was moments in my life that i felt that and i'm gonna be there i'm i just want to complain and struggle but every time god reminds me it's like henny but i want to mature you won't you give you give me a chance open your heart to to be refined in your character now the great thing about waiting on God is this. Nothing happens while we wait. But two things is important. We learn to stop to do. We learn to stop trying to do something to change our situation. Because we always want to do something. And we'll hear more about that today. Or we can trust God to do it for us. Now, it's two very important points today. Do you do it yourself? Or do you do it through faith in God? It's a very important question and it's a very fine line of how God matures us in a place of waiting. Now, our core scripture for this sermon series that we've been doing, we'll, we'll finish next week on the last sermon series. And I'm very excited. Next week, I'm going to speak about David. 
And, uh, and I, I want to I ask you not to miss next week because next week is going to be not the grand finale, but I'm so excited about the word and, and about what God has done through David's life and, and how we can pull it through to our lives and help us mature in our lives. Now, last week we started, now our core scripture for the sermon series is Psalm 27. Now, I want to invite you to take your Bible. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, but some of the scriptures are in the New King James Version. It's the, it's the, um, the closest to the original text. And uh, I usually read my New King James Version and then I read through the New Living Translation to, to make it more understandable for me. Because um, I'm, I'm my first language is Afrikaans, and, and, uh, but I love reading the English Bible. It's such a life-giving word. And so some of the scriptures are in New King James and most of them are in the New Living Translation. So if you have version, go and open it. Follow us. Open your Bible. If you've got a New, King, a New Living Translation Bible, open your Bible and follow with me. So our core scripture is out of the New King James Version. And it says the following in Psalm 27 verse 13 and 14. Do you remember it? It says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Then verse 14, it says, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and He shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Such a beautiful scripture. Such a strong, powerful scripture. Now, now my sermon today is out of the first line of verse 13. Verse 13 starts out with the following. It says, David says, I would have lost heart. I would have lost heart. How many of us have lost heart before? You just came into a situation where you just lost heart in this. Just waiting. Just, I just lost heart. Now, if you look at the definition of to lose heart, it means to be discouraged. Now, how many of us have, have, have experienced that before? I'm just totally discouraged. But it also means to lose your confidence in something or in someone. How many of you have lost your confidence in someone or something it's like dropping a porcelain cup and to get that confidence back sometimes is to glue every piece together it takes time so we don't want to lose our confidence in something or in someone now so many people think that confidence is something that we are born with just the lucky few are born with confidence and they got strong personalities and that's just them that's that's lucky enough no no it's not true if you go and look at, at science or at psychology, it says the following. There's a, I stumbled upon a psychology article in Forbes magazine and it says the following. I wish I could show it to you. It's so amazing. It says the following. Bear with me. It says, confidence is not a fixed attribute. It's not. It is the outcome of thoughts we think and actions we take. It's the outcome of that. Then it says, it is not based on our actual ability to succeed at a task, but our belief in, the, in, in our ability to succeed. It's, it's very interesting. It's so amazing. It says, science says, psychology says, that confidence is not based only on our ability to do great things, but how much we believe in ourselves being able to do it. Just let that sink in a bit. You see, we can have the ability to do something, but true confidence is believing in ourselves to be able to do it. Now, 
if we lose our belief in ourselves or our ability to do it, we lose confidence in our ability. Let me say that again. If we lose belief, we lose confidence in our ability. Now, we all know that being a Christian is not about our own ability or about science. No, it's so much more about, about just that. So much more. It brings sometimes bring those things in. I think science is more a God thing than anything else, but the world has changed it so much. But it's not about just that. It's about the following. It's about what Paul says in Ephesians 3, verse 12. Now, turn your Bibles quickly to Ephesians 3, and I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. I want you to say, to see what Paul says about our confidence. Where does it come from? Ephesians 3, verse 12 to 13. Quickly turn your Bibles there. And I want us to read together. It says the following. Paul says, verse 12. Because of Christ and our faith in Him, we can now come boldly in confidence. Uh, sorry, we can come boldly and confidently into God's presence. <laughs> Let me read it again. It says, because of Christ and our faith in Him. Because of Jesus and our faith in Him, we can now come boldly and confidently into His presence. Then verse 13 says, So please don't lose heart because of my trials. And Paul comes and he says to the Ephesian church, he says, Listen, I'm sitting in, I'm, I might be sitting in jail, I'm facing a lot of trials, but I want to tell you that your confidence doesn't come from me. It doesn't come from a human trade or human. It comes from Christ. And your faith in Him. And that brings you to His presence. I mean, He just defined it straight up for us. That it's all about God's presence and your faith in Jesus. See, Paul says, because of Jesus and our faith in Him, we have confidence in His presence as well. We have confidence in His presence. Then he says, don't get discouraged or lose your confidence because of your trials. Or maybe he spoke about his own trials, but he said, don't lose confidence in your trials. Remember that you serve a God of goodness. You serve a God of goodness. And because you serve a God of goodness, <laughs> you, you are confident in everything you do. Confident in a trial. Confident in times where it doesn't make sense. See, that's the, exactly the kind of confidence Paul or David spoke about. David spoke about <clears throat> in 20, uh, Psalm 27. He said that I did not know God. Uh, sorry, he said, if I did not know God, I would have lost my confidence through this tough time. And if you remember, David, <laughs> David wrote Psalm 27 in the most toughest of times. And therefore he said, because I know my God, because I know His goodness, thank goodness I didn't lose heart because I know Him. And therefore I, can, I have confidence in every trial that I face. Now because of that... David said, it is worthwhile to wait on God in every situation, in every trial, in everything, because His goodness and breakthroughs follow short after. Isn't that amazing? Now this morning, I want to speak about the following. I want to speak, I want to, well, I will, I'm going to talk about a question I want to ask. It's, I mean, the question is, what do you act on while you wait? What do you act on? while you wait. Now it always boils down to two things. 
two things very important number one is doubt and number two is faith now the amazing thing about these two things it's got two authors the author of doubt is satan the author of faith is god so who do you react on or act upon or with when you face a challenging time like waiting now i want to look at two people and and both of these people this morning i want to talk about is 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 actually is in faith's hall of fame that you know that there's a hall of fame for people that's the faith heroes in the bible and the book of the bible that speaks about that heroes of faith is in hebrews 11 and the two people i want to speak about today is abraham and his wife sarah let's see what hebrews hebrews says about him if you go to hebrews 11 um if you haven't read hebrews 11 amazing book amazing it will stir your faith it starts out with the definition of faith faith is a substance of things hoped for and evidence of things not seen but but i want to start at at verse verse 8 this morning are you there turn your bibles i'm reading again from a new living translation and it says the following in verse 8 it says i was by it was by faith that abraham obeyed when god called him to leave home and go to another land that god would give him as his inheritance he went without knowing where he was going and even when he reached the land god promised him he lived there by faith for he was like a foreigner living in tents and so did isaac jacob and his inheritance um, with who inherited the same promise then verse 10 abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations a city designed and built by god then verse 11 it speaks about sarah it says and was it and it was by faith that even sarah was able to have a child through she was barren and was too old she believed that god would keep his promise the last bit she believed that god would keep his promise now we can see that both of these two amazing individuals both of them were marked and remembered as legends of faith of of examples of faith in hebrews now sarah was the first woman who was mentioned in the word or mentioned in this great list of faith heroes the first woman which is quite a feat it's quite amazing but sarah if you look at her journey through life and through all that story and, and genesis that they've gone through she failed big time with doubt big time and and if you read the scripture here and it's like wow i mean it doesn't say anything about a doubt just of her faith <laughs> she even manipulated her husband into the doubt now let's look at this quickly for a, for a moment we all know the story of abraham and sarah God gave them this one incredible promise and he made a covenant of blessing with them. It's the, the only and the first and only individual that God made a covenant with it was Abraham. We are heirs to the covenant. We, 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 are, um, we inherited this amazing covenant of blessing. But the second time was a covenant with people and then Jesus made a covenant with global creation which is amazing now this is amazing very important they had an incredible promise and a once in a lifetime once once in in forever covenant of blessing with god now the promise was that abram would become the father of nations 
and through his promised child that Sarah would give him, that promise will come to light. But all through this period of waiting, because they waited, goodness, they've waited, they know about waiting. They promised, when they waited for their promise to come into reality, Sarah struggled with doubt. They see seriously struggled with doubt. Now, let's see why. Although she didn't doubt in God's ability, and this is very important to know, she never doubted in God's ability. She never doubted in his ability to do the miraculous, but she doubted in something else. And I think it's something that we, most of us, struggle through so many times of our lives, individually. And I'm, we're going to look at that. Now, after 10 years of walking with this promise, 10 years, think about it. God gives you this incredible promise. So you're going to be the father of nations. I mean, thinking that he's going to start immediately. My wife's going to start having children right now because I need to be the father of nations. But 10 years after God gave them this promise, <laughs> standing in faith, trusting God, the following happened. Now we read in Genesis 16, verse 1 and 2. So turn your Bible way to the, to the front, to Genesis 16, verse 1 and 2. And we're going to read together. Are you ready? Now you all know the story so well. But I'm going to take something out that's going to bless you today. It says the following. Now Sarai, before her name became Sarah, Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him. But she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarah said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarah's proposal. <laughs> I mean, there's so much in the scripture. About 10 years after God gave them this amazing promise, Sarah's faith, turned, Sarah's faith in a promise turned into doubt. And she gave a slave girl to Abram. Now, I mean, <laughs> we know the story. But my first thought was, come on, Abram. I mean, where's your faith, bro? I mean, this is such a faithless action. Here, won't you sleep with my servant girl? And, and Abram said, uh, okay. I mean, that's, that's quite faithless. But we can argue with the culture here. In that culture that they had, and I spoke about Hannah last week, and you remember that. It was the culture and the custom for a wife, if she was barren, to give a slave or a servant girl to her husband to have children through her slave girl. It's quite weird, but that's what they did. As soon as the baby were born, they adopted that baby as their own. Because they owned the slave. Now this was a failure in faith. <laughs> Not just for Sarah, for both of them. Because as much faith as Abram had, he agreed with her proposal of doubt. He agreed with it. Now when God gives us, a, us all a promise to wait for, no one can change or cancel that promise. Did you know that? We can't change God's words and His promise and, and, he, and, and what He says to us. But we can delay the promise by our own doubt and our own fear. Our own decisions and our own fear. We can delay it. Now with every promise God gives, the enemy will continuously try to delay that promise. He will continuously try to stop that promise. And he will continuously 
try to, to get you to a place of stop trusting God. Have you ever been in that place? Maybe you're sitting with promises that God's given you. Callings that God's given you. Some talents that you haven't really seen blooming. And because of doubt and fear, and, and you start, stop trusting God in that process of waiting on Him to give you that stage or give you that platform or give you that moment. Now, most of the time, the enemy comes with doubt and fear. Like I said, doubt and fear. <laughs> now, firstly, what we do in a moment like that, we, we doubt God. We doubt God. Yes, we do. We doubt if we heard Him correctly in that moment when He spoke to us. We doubt if we, 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 we think, maybe it was just my imagination when God spoke to me. Maybe it wasn't God, just my, my thoughts or, or my need for something. That's the first thing that happens usually. We doubt God. Now listen, look what Sarah said in this moment. In verse 3, uh, sorry, in, um, in, in, in verse 2, she said the following. She said, the Lord has prevented me from having children. The Lord has prevented me. How can you say that after a promise that God has given you? How can the Lord prevent you from having children? You see, she started doubting God in that moment. Now, let's fast forward a bit. So, after Abraham took Hagar as his wife, so he took her as his wife, they had a child, and his name was Ishmael. And we all know the story of Ishmael, and we've, we spoke about Ishmael a lot in a previous sermon series. Now, after Ishmael was born, God said to Abraham, very important, it said that Ishmael is not your promised seed. He's not. Because Abraham was tired. He was old. And we'll read about that now. And he just said, God, won't you just take Ishmael as my seed and make him the seed for the nations? And God said, no, I will give you a child through Sarah, as I've promised you. Now, Genesis 18, two chapters on, we read about three men that came and visited Abraham. Now, this was not just normal three men. It was men that, that had some stature and they, they were of some importance. Why? Because Abraham, when he saw them, he ran to them, fell at their knees, and, and he almost worshipped them. Now, the scripture actually later on said it was the Lord, or it was three angels that spoke as the Lord. Now, we never know. The word is not very straight on that. But let's say God came down with two angels, and they met Abraham, and Abraham invited them for lunch. And this is what happened as they were having lunch and in Genesis 18, verse 8. So let's turn your Bibles quickly in a New Living Translation. I'm reading from that. Or whatever Bible you have, it says mostly the same. In Genesis 18, verse 8 to 13, it says the following. As they ate, so Abraham just gave them lunch. Sarah prepared it. She was in a tent listening to them. And as they ate, Abraham waited on them in the shade of the trees. Where is Sarah, your wife? The visitors asked. She is inside the tent, Abraham replied. Verse 10. Then one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year, and your wife Sarah will have a son. Sarah was listening to the conversation from the tent. <laughs> and verse 11. Abraham and Sarah were both very old 
by this time. And Sarah was long past the age of having children. So verse 12, I, I like you to notice this and underline this if you can. Verse 12 says, So she laughed silently to herself and said, How can a worn out woman like me enjoy such pleasure? Especially when my master, my husband, is also so old. Then the Lord said to Abraham, You see the Lord? One of those men was probably the Lord. Maybe Jesus. We never know. Then the Lord said to Abraham, when did, why, sorry, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she laugh? You see, she only laughed silently to herself. But God knew. Because He knew her heart. He said, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Now the story was probably 10 Ten more years after the she, after they had Ishmael, so they were waiting twenty years now. It's about twenty years into this thing, they were waiting. Now Sarah started doubting God. Firstly, she doubted God. She did something by herself. They had Ishmael. Now at this moment, she doubted herself. She doubted herself. Look what she said. The word says, verse twelve. So she laughed silently to herself herself now listen this is this is very important to get this it says when god told her she would finally have her own child she laughed not because she had she had a lack of faith in what god could do but she laughed because she doubted about what god could do through her through her life how many of you have got to a place in your life when when you doubted can god actually do this through my life I don't think I'm worthy enough. I'm not talented enough. I can't speak well. I can't sing well. I, I, I'm, I'm an introvert. How can God do this through my life? How can God do this when I'm as old? But there's so many stories and so many illustrations and so many facts and proven facts that God has done things through people after they've retired, after they've thought nothing about themselves. There's so many stories that we can learn from that. But yes, Sarah is. She doubted so much in herself. That's why she laughed to herself. How can God do this to me? I'm too old. I'm not worthy to do this anymore. But see, Sarah feared if she would be able to carry out such a promise. She didn't feel worth it. Have you ever come to a place in your life where you didn't feel worth enough to be used by God? Especially in a time when we are waiting and we are sitting and we have, to, we, we have so much time to think about things. We do some introspection about ourselves and we think, but I'm not good enough. Am I worthy enough, Father? Am I worthy enough to, to actually be called a son or a daughter? Am I worthy enough to, to do this or to have children or to be a father or to be a mother or <clears throat> to run my own business? Am I worthy enough after all this messes I've made in my life? Am I worthy enough after my divorce? Am I worthy enough after I've done this? Am I worthy enough? Do you, I hope you catch my, my point I'm making. Sometimes we beat ourselves up because we feel not worthy that God can do something through us that is, that is godly, amazing. Now, how many of us, while we are waiting for our promise, go through stuff like this so many i think 
I think we will be shocked if we actually realize how much, how many people actually go through the same introspection. Now, now we fear that we will also miss the promise. See that this is we're not just feeling that we are not worthy. Fear brings us to a place where we fear we will miss God's promise in our lives. Yes, we believe the promise. Yes, we know that God's wanna, God wants to do this in my life. But there is so much fear that you will miss it. I know I'm speaking to some people here this morning. I mean, even myself. There were so many times in my life where I felt that I'm going to miss God's plan for my life. I'm going to be stuck at one place. Just being stuck. Because I'm trusting that people will release me. Give me platform. Do this. And I'm going to miss God's calling. So maybe I should do something. So fear drives me to a place of doing, doing, doing because I don't want to miss God's plan for my life. Does it sound familiar? Now Sarah, because of fear, because of doubt in her life, she planned and started doing to receive God's promise. She planned and did. She, she, she took matters into her own hands because she doubted and she had feared for missing this promise disappointing her husband maybe now let's look at abram we've we've looked at sarah now i want you to remember sarah was still named as a year of faith she was still here although she failed now let's look at abram if we look at abram's story after god gave after all the story after 25 years god gave sarah a child and they called him Isaac. And here Abraham had his promise right in front of him. But then God came in Genesis 22. I want you to turn your Bible to Genesis 22. Just a couple of chapters on. And I'm going to read from a New Living Translation. But in, in Genesis 22, here Abraham had his promise. Isaac, his son was running around, still young and age. He saw the seed of what was to come, the nations that God would give him. And God gave him, in Genesis 22, God gave him and tested Abram's faith. <laughs> now, now this is at a place where, where Abram was experiencing his seed. God, you gave me a promise. I waited 25 years for it and I'm seeing it. It's happening. It's happening. It's so amazing. But then God came with a mind-blowing request. That so many people speak about till today. There's sermons about this. There's so many things about that we can learn from this moment in Genesis 22. Now let's read it together. Genesis 22 verse 2 and 3. And then I'm going to jump to verse 6 and 8. Genesis 22 says in verse 2. It says, God comes to Abram and he says, Abram. And Abram says, yes. And he says, take your son, your only son. Yes, Isaac. Whom you loved so much, so much. And go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Then verse 3, he says, The next morning Abram got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then verse 6. So we jump to verse 6. It says, So Abram placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abram and said, Father, yes, my son, Abram replied, we have the fire 
and the wood, the boy said. But where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will, then Abram said, God will provide the sheep for the burnt offering, my son. Abram answered. And they both walked on together. Now we all know the story that goes on. Abram comes to the place. He ties up Isaac. He wants to offer him. And God, the angel of the God stopped him right before he wanted to, to kill Isaac to, to make an offering with him. And God gave them a ram. And, and, and we all know the amazing story on, on how God honored Abram and said that now I know I can bless you. Such a beautiful story. But there's a few things from this piece I just read that I want to lift up. That we can see from Abraham's reaction about this amazing or crazy test that God put him through. When God said to him, firstly, when God said to him, go and sacrifice your son, your only son, the promise that you've waited 25 years for, your only, I want you to go and sacrifice that promise that I've given you. What did Abraham do? He didn't shout. He didn't object it. Now, listen, we are talking about a guy who, who twisted God's arm for Sodom and Gomorrah. Asked, Lord, if there's only 10 people that serves you, will you save the city? God says, yeah, yeah, okay, if there's only 30, if there's only... I mean, he, he knew how to speak to God in a tough situation. But here he didn't say anything. He didn't shout. He didn't object. He didn't cry. He didn't tear his clothes or mourn. What did he do? Verse 3 said, The next morning, Abram got up early. He saddled up his donkey. He got his servants together and he left. That's what he did. No word. Just trusting God. Just trusting God. Now in verse 7, I love this. In verse 7, his son turned to him and asked him, But father, where will the sheep for the sacrifice come from? And I love Abram's answer. Listen to this. It says, it says, God will provide the sheep for the sacrifice. See, Abram was waiting for God's breakthrough while he was acting. He was waiting. He was waiting for God because he knew God will provide a sheep. God is just testing his faith. God is taking him through the steps. And he said, son, in my words, Son, don't worry. I'm waiting for the sheep that God will provide for this. Now, see, his answer to Isaac showed his true faith. It showed his true faith in God, in a God that will provide. In a God that he knew God's character. He knew God as a God of goodness. He knew God as a God of blessing. So he was waiting for God's breakthrough of provision. You see, Abraham showed the godly response in a waiting season. He showed the godly response that we need to have in a waiting season. Acting upon our faith by trusting God. See, he acted in faith as he waited on God for that breakthrough. That sheep that will come. That moment of faith. He knew and therefore he stayed quiet. He didn't say a word. And as long as he said, stayed quiet, he didn't let emotions or doubt or fear in. He just kept his eyes on God in this moment of waiting. He said, Father, I will do what you want me to do. I will do this, but I'm waiting on your breakthrough. I'm waiting for you to come through. And I'm going to act. I'm going to encourage. I'm going to be who you called me to be. But while I'm waiting for your breakthrough, I will act in faith. 
Look what James says in the book of James. The Apostle James says the following in James 2 verse 18. He says, but someone will... Sorry, you can turn there quickly. I'm, I'm so excited about the word. I need to give you a chance to turn there. Turn quickly in your Bibles to James. James 2. Way at the back of your Bible. From Genesis, way at the back to James. I'm going to have... A... Are you there yet? So look what James says. James 2 verse 18. It says... But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Exactly what Abraham did. See, Abraham said, I've got faith in a God who never fails me. Who is a God who's got a, who's got a covenant of blessing with me. And the covenant will not be broken. And therefore he said, therefore I will act and believe. I will act and believe. I will just go through this motions of believing God, trusting in Him, trusting that He will come through. Now, now here we see two examples. Let me summarize this as I close. We see two examples of how we wait while we act. While we wait, how do we act? One acted on her own ability because of doubt and fear. Sarah, we know that. And the other acted in faith in God's ability to provide. Now both Sarah and Abraham learned something as they waited on God for the breakthrough. Sarah learned about sorrow. She learned about the sorrow, that it, it, the sorrow it brings when you look at your own ability to provide and hopefully not miss God. Let me say that again. Sarah learned about the sorrow it brings... When you look at your own ability to provide and hopefully not miss God. You see, although she failed a few times, she did. We just read about it. Although she failed a few times, Sarah still received a promise. And she remembered, and she was still remembered as a year of faith. Now see, this is, this is very important for me. It shows that the grace of God in our waiting season... Is so amazing. While we wait, while we wait, we make mistakes, we fail, but it never shifts God's grace in our lives. Although we get it wrong, God is still in control to help us build our character, mentor us, and, 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 and to mature more as a Christian through our failures. See, we, we mature through failure. Is that right? So the more we fail, the more we can mature as we grow through it. And as we wait and go through this waiting period, don't stop trusting when you fail. Trust God that He will still come through as you pick yourself up and start trusting again. Now Abram, at the other, at the other end, he learned about the blessing we receive when we trust God's ability to provide the outcome. You see, Abraham, while he was waiting, he trusted in God's ability to provide the outcome. He just trusted in God. I mean, I just can put myself in that place of knowing that you have to kill your own son. The promise that you've been waiting for so long. That you have to kill that calling, kill that promise. But, just, but he just wanted to obey God. Just wanted to obey God, be faithful and trusting God. But as he was trusting and acting, he was waiting that God will still give the breakthrough. Waiting. 
I want to close with this. While we, I remember when we were moving from from Potchefstroom to Cape Town or to Stellenbosch about five, more than five years ago, I remember we had a word from God to move. We had a word that God says, pick up your things and move. And we were so sure of God's, of God's um, plan in our lives to move us to, to the Western Cape. We started selling everything we had. We said, let's sell everything and start afresh in a place where God's bringing us. I remember we had a, in our lawn, we were selling everything. Our, our, our kitchen table, our clothes, our, I mean everything. We were selling um, a dining room set. We were selling um, a, a living room set. We were selling everything. And people just bought it up for free almost. But we were so sure that God will come through. See, while we trusted God in this place of moving and waiting for Him to come through, we acted upon, acted in faith to say, Lord, we're just going to leave all the old things behind and we're going to start anew. We're going to start afresh. Now, in that moment, we had to believe God could do. We could, could do through us what He has promised. And we were so sure that we put everything on the line. I want to encourage you this morning as I finish. I want to encourage you that God can do so much through you. He has called you to do so much in your life. But so many of us have started to give up in our waiting season. And some of us has, has even tried from our, out of our own out of, out of our own try to do something to make this promise happen. We try to to act by faith by, by telling people what God has called us to do so that they can act upon what we believe in God in. Now I trust God that as I'm as I'm as I'm saying this this morning, that that God will really lift your heart or encourage your heart this morning to never give up on that waiting moment, that moment of waiting. To never give up on, on his call for your life, on his promise that he's given you. Although we're waiting. God is doing something in our hearts while we're waiting. Don't give up. I know that God is busy doing something in South Africa. He's busy doing something in our country as we're waiting for this pandemic to end. He's doing something that will bring revival into our country. I mean, it is stirring people at this moment to live differently, to spend more family time, to eat more healthier, to exercise because they can only exercise in the morning. That's the only time we get out. But God is shifting something in this time. He's changing something from what it was to what God has called us to become and to be. So I want to pray with you this morning. And I want to, just where you're at, maybe, just where you're at, to, to close your eyes. And as you close your eyes, I want you to put your hand in your heart. And, and sometimes we need to take something by faith. We need to take something by faith if we, if we trust God for it. So are you ready? Are you ready to pray with me? You see, the Bible says in Matthew 18, where two or more agree, it will be so. I want to invite you to agree with me this morning as we pray. Agree that God will pick up this calling. He will pick up this promise that you've stopped trusted trusted uh, trusting him for where you where you 
maybe left it and just said, Lord, it will never happen. I tried it and it never happens. But I want you to trust with me this morning as we, as we pray, because God can still do a miracle. He can, he can bring that, that promise alive. He can shift you back, back to a place of, of being excited about that thing that you've buried. So let's pray together this morning. Father, I thank you. I thank you for everyone that is looking at this or watching with me or listening to my voice. Father, I might not know them. And I pray this morning that, that you will start remembering, remember us or help us to remember on the things that, that we've left, the promise that you've given us. And I see there's some of you this morning that God's given you a promise. He's given you a dream that you got when you, was young, when you were young. And as you grew older, you just thought, ah, oh, it's ridiculous. I mean, it, it won't happen. I'm not that talented as I thought I would. I wanted to become this or this, but it's not going to work. And I just see how God is busy remembering you of that promises, that dreams that you had. I want you to know that God says that that was not just a dream you had as a young man or young woman. That was a calling that I gave you, that you gave up on. That is something that you left at, at the side of the road. And I want you to go back and get it. And I want you to trust me in faith to make that possible. I want you to trust me in faith to bring breakthrough in that. I want you to trust me in faith to show you the picture. And Father, I pray that, that, that today, as we pray, that you will cancel all doubt. That the enemy, this, the Satan is the father of doubt. And we will not act according to his attributes, according to his character. No, no, we will act on faith. That is, that is your attributes, Father. We will act in faith to what you've given us. No matter what age we are at, no matter how much we feel that the dream, the promise, the whatever is dead already, but we will trust you in this moment. That you will resurrect this promise. You will resurrect this dream. Even now, some of you, I know there's some of you who's watching and you can feel your heart is pounding. And you're asking, but Lord, how are you going to do this? Don't let the doubt in. Just trust God. Trust Him like Abram trusted Him in an impossible situation. God will make this come alive. Trust Him that your faith with your works, with that action, will bring the promise and bring the breakthrough. So Father, I just want to invite you to all to put your hand on your heart. Father, I pray for everyone here this morning that we will act upon your word and, and not miss this moment of waiting. But Father, I just want to, want to pray for everyone who's struggling with doubt and with fear this morning. And remember that your grace is sufficient. Although Sarah failed because she doubted and she feared, she still received a promise because of your grace even before Jesus died on the cross. 
And therefore, we know we serve a God of grace. We serve a God of goodness. And Father, I want to pray for everyone here this morning. Why don't you just stretch your hand to the camera this morning, to your TV or your laptop or whatever you're watching on. And Father, I want, to, I want to cancel every bit of doubt that failure will come my way. I want to cancel that doubt and I want to speak faith over everyone watching right now in Jesus' name. Father, will you come and restore faith this morning? Restore faith in a promise. Restore faith in a dream. Restore faith in a calling right now. In Jesus' name. Lord, I want to also cancel every word of doubt. Every word of doubt over that, over that calling, over that, over that dream. And I want to speak your life over the dreams they're calling in this period of waiting. Even some of you that's sick right now at the moment, if you're sitting with sickness, I know I'm praying for certain people this morning, if you're watching, where people are fearing that you might not make it. I want to speak life over you this morning. I want to speak God's life over you this morning, that you will be healthy. You will be, you will be healthy, body, soul, and spirit. And I just cancel every doubt in every word of death over you, and I speak life over you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstellenbosch.co.za.